On The Flow podcast is brought to you by AWA, Aotearoa's leading period, postnatal and pee-proof underwear, keeping you supported all day long. Available at awathelabel.com. Kia ora and welcome to On The Flow, the podcast dedicated to exploring the world's tradition of periods, where we have some bloody deep chats and get you one step closer to reconnecting you to your cycle. Kia ora everyone and welcome to On The Flow, the new podcast powered by Awa. My name's Hana Tapiata and I'm so excited to take part in this journey and share it with you uh, as we learn and hear different experiences about what it means to menstruate and different perceptions, different ideals, different beliefs, understanding where they all come from and why we have them and also what we can do to empower ourselves moving forward into the future as well. And I'll share a little bit more about me in just a second, Um, but with this being the very first episode, we've got uh, CEO Michelle Wilson uh, with me today. Kia ora, Michelle. Kia ora. How are you feeling? I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm, I'm super excited. This podcast has been a dream of mine for a long time and yeah I feel really really blessed that you're going to be hosting so that I don't have to (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh, I feel like this has been a long journey but it hasn't really like there's been a lot happening in the last couple years since we've met and I thought that might be a good place to start and also share how I came to be the host of this podcast Mm. do you remember that day the day that you slid into my dm I remember that day like it was yesterday. Uh, well, I remember a little bit differently. No. Uh, so, okay, so I'll start and then you can correct me uh, how we go. But my passion is Indigenous knowledge and in particular Māori Indigenous knowledge. So I was very fortunate to grow up in uh, fully immersed in te reo Māori, te ao Māori with a Māori worldview. And that was the only language I spoke until I was about six. And then everyone around me communicated to me that being Māori was great. It was a superpower. It was awesome. And so the work I do now is to try and contribute to that pool and contribute to that movement of reclaiming our Indigenous identity and bring it proudly. And so I have a blog, it's called Hana, and I share how I apply Indigenous knowledge on a daily basis. I came across your old company and I've never slid into anyone's DMs. I've never asked for product before and I never have since I messaged you. Um, but it was really aligned to what I believed in. It was really clean. And so I messaged you and I freaked out. I think I was sending a risky text. And then surprisingly enough, you followed the blog anyway. So you already kind of knew me. Mm, anyway. Of course I did. I was fangirling hard. <laughs> and then it just started from there. Yeah. I got the product. Yeah, I was very opportunistic when you sent me that email and I said, yeah, I'll send you some products. And I also have this other mahi on the side, which you might be able to help me with. (laughs) Um, And I think I invited you up to be a part of our first photo shoot, which we had in the Nahere. And like that was the beginning of really beautiful friendship. Yeah, it's been such an intense but fun filled a lot of adventures what do you mean intense <laughs> i'm not intense yeah with the different uh projects yeah. that you've had on that that i had mm. and the support and with covid in between that as well yeah 
I think COVID like really, I don't know, cemented our friendship. But um, the beautiful thing was that, you know, we called each other sometimes almost every single day to check in, how's the day going? And I think we got really close then. And um, I feel like, yeah, I was telling you before that I really think that the friendship that you and I have is, you know, like should be the way all girlfriends should be. Just like beautiful support, aroha. And yeah, I'm very, very honored to have you here as a host of our Hannah. Oh, thank you. Well, I hope I do a good job. And I think now that we've established how we connect, <laughs> oh, did you want to add anything else to that? No. Yeah. <laughs> what? What was it? <laughs> no, and it was a great product, by the way. And I used it. I don't even know if I plugged it or promoted it. <laughs> I think you did. Yeah, you did. You did your post. Yeah, I did one. Yeah, and it was the most awkward thing. And I don't really do that anymore but that was divine I that was divine intervention Mm. I think like if you don't usually do that and I don't usually like respond to to stuff like that but I definitely like knowing what I do know and where we're at today I think it was divine intervention so yeah for sure yeah and even how our but at the time it was I am Eva Mm -hmm. even how that came about was quite fortuitous Mm. I think could you tell us a little bit about that yeah, so um, it was really just started as like a, a like a side hobby, like passion project of mine because I had another company. But long story short, I was a corporate lawyer and uh, pretty unhappy and unconnected to um, Te Ao Māori. I grew up being called urban Māori <laughs> and what that meant to me was that I you know, grew up in the city and so disconnected to my whenua, disconnected to my marae. Um, and tikanga disconnected with te reo completely to yourself to my and to and therefore to myself yeah, yeah. for sure but it wasn't until um, I had my first child that I really began to kind of visualize life for her and it's funny when you have kids you really want a better life for yourself because you want to model you know the the ideal life that you want your child to live so um, things really changed for me there had my second child and um, got postnatal depression and I began wanting to really connect with with my Maori side. I decided to give up my uh, mahi as a corporate lawyer and I enrolled at Te Wananga to learn rungoa. So for our global listeners out there, rungoa is our ancient Maori medicine in a way. Everything, everything holistic that. medicine, yeah. not just you know oral medicine, but um, our ancient ancient ways of healing. And I, I developed another company. And there was one night I was on the marae listening to an old kuya speak about um, traditional equita practices, so traditional period practices. And I remember like being so just intrigued by how starkly different it was for our tupuna when they had their periods to what it is for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I learned that our tupuna used a plant because back then plants were really my were my jam <laughs> they were though they were they? Yeah. they were plants were my everything they still are now but not to such a passionate extent <laughs> and you can't you may not be able to see right now if you're tuning in on the podcast but we've got a big photo of plants we've got plants all around us we were recording right now <laughs> plant life i like my natives yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> they healed me. They have definitely been part of my healing journey. Just that connection to our environment was part of the journey for me, which, yeah, has a lot of connections to, to our and our values as well. But I digress. So, yeah, I, I learned that our tupuna used a plant called angiangi, which is like a moss that grows abundantly still today on trees. And, um, man, they were such innovators, eh, because they would just pull the moss off and angiangi, um, if I can describe it, it kind of looks like a cobweb, but it's really soft and squishy and you can mold it into the shape of a pad. And our tupuna would wear it either inside them. Some would wear it inside them and others would put it kind of on the outside and it was super absorbent. And then they would rinse it, dry it and wear it again until it could no longer be used where they would burn it and and gift it back to the earth. And I decided that I wanted to give this a try. <laughs> because I like plants. <laughs> so I did. I was I was managing my period for a little bit using Angiangi and it was one month I was in Rarotonga on a family holiday and I got my ikura, got my period and I didn't have any Angiangi to hand. <laughs> By this point I was wasn't using pads or tampons um, in New Zealand and I definitely didn't want to contribute to waste on the island. Cups were never my jam. Mm. Um, so it really got me thinking, wow, what's it going to be like, you know, for my daughters? I know that pads and tampons won't be part of their reality by the time they menstruate. And I just, yeah, just like cups are great sustainably. And um, yeah, I know a lot of people love them. But for myself personally, I don't really want to wear anything foreign inside my body. I don't want to carry anything foreign inside my body. And for me, when I get my period and I'm flowing, that's my release of everything else. So I don't want to keep it inside me all day. Mm. So I began researching different um textiles and technologies with my good friend Kylie and yeah we developed the first prototype for our period proof underwear and I've, I think a lot of people listening will know what our is but if you're not we developed period proof underwear where you literally bleed into your underwear but because of the technology it dries instantly and is absorbed on the inside but it doesn't bulk what I say to people is it looks and feels exactly like wearing dry underwear on a non-period day but you get to come home rinse them out and, and reuse them so friendlier on our environment and um yeah so that's our and I don't know if I answered your first question but I can't remember it either that's <laughs> all right this is on the flow so I guess we'll just flow on from there we're gonna flow but as you were talking I was just thinking how contrasting and how different that is to when I was a teenager when I first had my period and even the connotations of what it meant to get your period or how to manage it how to look after yourself during that time there was next to nothing that I was exposed to and I don't know about you oh yeah no for sure nothing yeah um I'm just wondering if you'd be willing to share what it was like for you when you got your first period ah yeah, yeah um so I feel like it was such a non-event, you know, compared to what it's going to be like for my poor daughters. No, um, it was, yeah, it was a real non-event. I don't feel like I had like a big shameful story or anything, but it was just kind of like I went to the bathroom and there it was. I didn't tell anybody. Um, I didn't tell my mom um, or, my, you know, or, or my friends or anything. But before getting my period, that's right, I remember 
Um, my mum, because I was quite a late bloomer, I didn't get my period until I was 14. Um, I think it was like 14 and a half as well. And I was like really like innocent you know, 14 year old, but I knew that I was late because I think my mum maybe reminded me all the time. <laughs> but one thing that she used to say was that if I don't get my period, I won't be able to have children. And although, yes, that is true, mm. for some reason, I think that was like a negative thing in my head because I was always clucky. Like I was born clucky. I could not wait to become a mama. Um, and so hearing that um, I don't have my period yet and if I don't get it, I won't be able to have kids. Instead of thinking, oh, I'm definitely going to get it so it's all going to be kids their pie, I was like, shit, what if I don't get it? Like, do some girls not get their period? Like, can, maybe I won't be able to have children. And so I was quite traumatized by that idea, like secretly. And I'm sure if I had, had have said something to my mum, she would have been like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, but it's funny the things that you, you know, think when you're young. So when I, I got my period, even though I told nobody, I remember this huge sense of relief that, ah, oh, I can't have kids. <laughs> I know it's like something that most 14 year olds don't think about, but like, as I said, I was born clucky. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I remember just, yeah, using pads because <laughs> the whole idea of, of wearing tampons like was so foreign to me. Like I didn't explore down there at all. <laughs> In fact, I, I just didn't, like when I saw a tampon, I was like, no way, like that's not going to work. <laughs> and I was convinced, <laughs> I was convinced it wasn't going to work. Like this is super embarrassing. I was going to say, I feel like there's a story. <laughs> This is, to investigate. Ah, oh, I do you not. Know, it never occurred to me to investigate with like my hands. <laughs> not to be too graphic, but I just thought like, oh, if a tampon goes there, like you know, like I like I don't know if it's gonna work. Like I'm pretty sure it won't work. <laughs> so I used my pocket money to go to the chemist and get. <laughs> a packet of cotton buds and some lube so that I could slowly like open up the area <laughs> so that one day maybe in my lifetime a tampon would fit <laughs> I know like I'm so innocent so I was so pure and innocent <laughs> um yes because you don't know I don't know nobody told me yeah. I never you know I was never told to explore down there or um <laughs> it's not like they were open conversations no. at the time mm -mm. either no I mean like no one even told me how to use a tampon so it was like a foreign part of my body which I I had always kind of you know thought it was not okay like that's just for babies that nothing else you know so yeah no, we didn't talk about it so yeah definitely is going to be different for my girls well they'll be blending into the hour but yeah. what about you Hannah <laughs> I had to tell my story do yeah. you like what what was it like when you first got your period nowhere near as exciting I feel as yours um <laughs> But even when we were talking before we started today, I don't really remember it because like you were saying, like, it was just a non-event. And even though growing up, we'd been told about um, mate wahine, which is one of the names or words used to describe um, menstruating in Māori, um, and that there was the mana or one of the powers that women inherently have in being able to create life. Uh, it still wasn't really talked about beyond that or what the 
fundamentals of getting your period, you know, you'd probably feel this way or this is how you look after yourself. And so I was at intermediate, I think it was about 12 years old. But at the time, my cousins or girlfriends around me had already gotten theirs. And so I thought I was late too. And then so when I did get it, it was only just a bit of spotting. And I didn't want to tell anyone it was like the secret. I thought it was dirty because any other time you have blood and it gets on something, you're told to rinse it off or, you know, they run it under cold water so it doesn't stain. And so I had that kind of belief or perspective of it as well. And then I just remember other experiences where like we were at the pool one time and there was one of our friends who wasn't swimming because she had her period and it had leaked through to her pants. And rather than tell her, people we were with were talking about her behind her back. Mm. And then I just thought, oh my gosh. And I just ended up putting something on her and talked to her about it afterwards. But just that shame mm. and humiliation that mm. comes with it, I'm getting red talking about it now. Mm. It seemed like such a normal part of growing up as a young woman mm. or transitioning into womanhood. Yeah, humiliation and shame, embarrassment. And the thing that I learned, which inspired me to create our as well, was that that is so starkly different to how it was for our tupuna, for our, for our ancestors. Yeah. Periods were spoken about openly, um, you know, for, for both, you know, boys and girls, for tane and wahine. So our tupuna, they, they thought of their period really differently to how how we think about it today they thought of it as a, as a river an ancient and sacred or tapu river that carried both our ancestors and our descendants so that when our blood flowed you know that was almost a ceremony because that was our our ancestors being gifted back to the earth papatua nuku our first our very first ancestor first um, mother our first mother yeah. so because of that, because that was so tapu, that was so sacred, there was, you know, really beautiful rituals that go with it and it was celebrated. When a girl got her period for the first time, the community, the whānau celebrated and she felt special. There would be lots of different things would take place. There would be a ceremonial returnal of her first blood to the whenua, to, to the land. She might be given a new name to initiate her into adulthood. There might be her first ceremonial cutting of her hair when her when her first blood flows, or um, she might have her ears pierced. She might receive moko kauai. There might be a community meal, a hakere. So, like, how beautiful would it be if we, we created those for our daughters and for ourselves and for our friends? Yeah. Uh, another thing that I learned was that not only did they celebrate when a girl got her first period, but every month that a girl got her period, that was her time to herself where she could she could take time to rest, take time to learn karakia, waiata, um, arts. She would not be expected to do as many chores. And it's interesting because I think there has been like a lot of Western feminist ideas ideology mm. on this being this practice kind of being discredited as us being sent away because our period was shameful or our period was embarrassing but to the contrary it wasn't that at all 
when we took time to rest, that was us taking autonomy over our bodies mm. and and saying what we were prepared to and not prepared to do during that week. And so I think it's really important to remember that taking time out and not doing everything is is not a weakness. That's your power. Yeah. And because it signifies that you're able to create life. And so you're or as menstruators, the gateway between that intangible spiritual celestial mm. realm and the physical, that's power that not many people today know how to control themselves or help others, especially in adolescence mm -hmm. uh, when you're learning about yourself or hormones and things are changing for you and you're, uh, you care more about what your peers think as well as all these changes physically. And now you've got this awesome power mm -hmm. that flows in with so many other things. I remember hearing a corridor story about a people, I think somewhere in South America, who when uh, they would menstruate for the first time, they'd be taken away for a whole year and kind of taught how to meditate or how to really connect to themselves and to their power mm. so that they understood how powerful they were, uh, but not as something to be shamed for which I can't even imagine what it would have been like if I had grown up knowing that mm. and believing that. Yeah, but that's the dream, right? Like yeah. that's that's why I want a podcast <laughs> because this information is so mm. beautiful and so important. And you're right, like when we bleed, that we are the gateway to our, that's the gateway to the wairua, to our spiritual realm. And that is powerful. And it's important that we, you know, learn learn how to navigate that, especially Adolescence, you know, that's a it's a crazy time. I, I remember it was a really crazy time for me. So yeah, that's really my dream for on the flow of this podcast that people can use this as a resource to navigate how they can um, take that power back and how they can reconnect with themselves and their bodies and their ancestors and just live a better better life and to feel more connected. And just to add, like I couldn't really imagine going back to when I was a teenager and having this perspective of what it meant to menstruate. But now in learning about awa and engaging with your kōrero, your thoughts, and also Ngahuia Murphy, mm -hmm. uh, I hope you'll talk a little bit more about. It's just I can't imagine not knowing now. No. No, absolutely. And I think, yeah, Dr. Nahuya Murphy deserves some credit right now because, uh, yeah, everything that I have said up until now is all down to her incredible research. Mm. And she is such an amazing person that we are so, we're going to be so blessed to talk to next month. <laughs> um, so tune in to episode two. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to be the host? <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, so just this. to clarify, Dr. Ngahuya Murphy, the amazing Dr. Ngahuya Murphy, uh, will be our next guest mm. on, on the flow. And I'm fangirling so much. <laughs> so oh, yeah. hard right now. Yeah. So we're going to be going through some some ceremonies, um, some period ceremonies, and we'll be talking about Matariki as well um, next month. So I won't touch on too many ceremonies today because I'll leave that for her to talk about. But needless to say, that's uh, the writing and research of Dr. Nahui Murphy basically inspired Awa mm, yeah. and the Kopapa. Yeah. yeah, and it's I love how you talk about you went to the marae and the queer there was talking about it and you had this idea or you tried the young yangi and then you were away 
from your angiangi. So head to think, well, what else could you use mm. and how all these pieces have come together. Dr. Ngahui is uh, research in this space and all the other pieces that have come to really embody or create what our is mm. today and no doubt it'll keep going and I hope this podcast is one more piece to add to that yeah like our for me although our is is a product uh, for me the co-papa is so much um, greater than that so my passion is not just to sell my underwear but, <laughs> but really is on a on a global scale help women to reconnect with themselves and in a way you know like we both hate the word decolonize because you can you cannot ever really decolonize the colonization has happened already but you know decolonizing our periods because i have been talking about this on the our platform for almost three years now and now that we're becoming a bit more global the beautiful thing that i can see is other cultures reaching out to me or commenting and saying hey yeah that was that was um, true for us too in China and Hawaii and the islands and, and India and Sri Lanka. And so I thought, wow, this really is bigger than just what I thought it was. I do feel, you know, a lot of responsibility to not just sell the underwear, but but talk about the co-popper and, and try and retell um, a lot of the stories that I've learned, which has greatly affected and positively benefited my life. I'm glad you mentioned that about responsibility because that's what I feel with the mahi that I do about contributing back to that pool of Indigenous knowledge. Mm. And what I really liked and hope you could talk a little bit on is the mahi or the research you're doing to get to know yourself and to get to know how your body works at different times of your during your cycle mm -hmm. and also with uh, the moon cycles as well mm -hmm. how you've learnt about your personal relationship with the environment mm, yeah so I'm currently doing research into tracking my cycle and tracking other cycles with the moon I am and I always have been really heavily affected by the moon I think there's just no mistake that our cycle is 28 days and you know the lunar cycle is 28 days as well you know we are greatly affected by the different phases of the moon and I recall as a teenager kind of having not fits of rage, but like close to it sometimes, you know, like going through all of those hormones and having kind of crazy times where I just felt like out of my body. And it wasn't until later in life that I realized that actually that was fetal. <laughs> that was the new moon. Um, and so I, I am really affected by the moon and I have learnt part of my kind of growth and wanting to reconnect with myself is trying to understand how I can work with the phases of the moon with the maramataka and particularly how it relates to my period as well. So there are certain phases of the moon where I know I am affected more than others. So right now it's the Tangaroa phase, which is a, a, an abundant seven day period before fetal, which is the new moon. And so that's why we're recording the podcast now, because um, I have realized that the the Monday to Friday, the nine to five and taking prescribed Saturday and Sunday off, that doesn't work for me. And to be honest, it probably doesn't work for many people. It's like that rural capitalist kind of mm, like Western industrial, industrial uh, Western thought. But for me, I have really learned to kind of manage my life and my schedule according to the maramataka and wherever my period is at the time. So 
tangaroa phase is a period of seven days where I know I'm going to get the greatest amount of work done. I'm going to be writing at my best. And so I dedicate those seven days to working back to back because that's where a lot of my best work is going to come from. Mm. Yeah. And so we're in the tangaroa phase now. I've had a love-hate relationship with Fedor. So that's the new moon. It's uh, traditionally been known as a low period phase and that definitely has been true for me. Fiddle is kind of the time where I am I run and hide from everything because mm-hmm. sometimes I might get myself into trouble <laughs> um, and it's like I'm really low, it is a really low period and it was always quite a negative time for me but from the help of friends and and other Maori healers I've learned that actually not to be afraid of fiddle that yes it is a a low energy phase but you can embrace that and turn that into a positive time so now when it's fiddle instead of kind of doing my usual jam and getting into trouble (laughs) I would maybe turn my phone off I would go and have a massage and I would come home and meditate sometimes I meditate for three or four hours at a time and as Dr. Nahuya Murphy said that the fetal really is a time of revelation and so knowing that when fetal is coming you know imagine if all women you know put fetal into their calendars the new moon into their calendars and took that time out to rest, to go inwards and to reflect and feel revelation. It's been really life-changing for me to um, really embrace fiddle in that way. Again, the full moon is uh, when I am full of energy and I'm usually an introverted person. So the full moon I've realized is a great time for me to visit my friends and socialize with my friends and also with the periods as well like traditionally all um, our ancestors would menstruate together during fetal because that is traditionally a kind of a you know a low inwards period so it makes sense that all of our ancestors would be taking that time to rest and reflect because they all had their period at the same time Um, we've been so disconnected with the moon with artificial lights and being at home and not being underneath the moon as much we've been out of sync we're all out of sync with each other but you know we do sync up when we spend a lot of time together (laughs) yeah um and so we will be talking about that a bit more throughout this podcast as well because i know a lot of people are interested in learning more about that but yeah i've been plugging my um period with the moon and i have some other volunteers doing the same thing as well Mm. and um yeah can't wait to hear the progression of that research Mm. and here in Aotearoa here in New Zealand the maramataka is really being reclaimed with force which is powerful and really beautiful and what I really liked about how you said is that you've done the research to learn about how you and the moon behave how she affects you and how um, that affects different things within you as well at different times. And something I really want to urge people to or encourage people to do is to do what Michelle is currently doing or has been doing is not just take, okay, or fetal low energy, full moon, high energy. So, well, maybe because of the sinking and artificial light and other things in our lifestyle um, that, might not be where you are right now. And so it's important for you to do that work, to go out. And it's not just the moon, but there are other factors in the environment as well to learn about how, what your relationship is like so that you can learn the things you need to do and take care of yourself in the ways you need to take care of yourself Mm. throughout your cycle. 
Yeah, and just on a practical level, if you're wanting to know how to do that, it's really simple. There's a Hina app, H-I-N-A, um, but also you can just Google what's the moon doing today and just jot down in your diary um, or your working calendar what the phase of the moon is. Do you have your period? How are you feeling? You know, um, Do you feel like you have lots of energy? Are you surprised at how much work you're able to smash through? Or are you feeling like you just don't want to be at work? You just don't want to socialize? You know, What's going on for you emotionally? And write them down because I guarantee you after three or four months, you're going to start seeing a pattern. And that's a beautiful way to reconnect with yourself. And when you start to see a pattern, then you can start to plan. Yeah, and it's when the beautiful like stuff happens. Oh, I think we might make a quote out of that. <laughs> you and your quotes. <laughs> what is it when you see a pattern? You can make the plan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when you start so to see the pattern, then you can make the plan. Yeah, and it's all tailored to you, customized to you, based on your flow. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I'm full of wisdom, honey. Yeah. I tell you. <laughs> you surprised me every day. Um, <laughs> no, that's really cool and really exciting. And if you are currently doing that or if this has inspired you to start journaling or start keeping record, um, we'd love to hear updates on how you go absolutely i'm trying to gather as much research as i can so actually if, if you are keen to keep a record of that then do get in touch if you'd like to be a volunteer on part of the research then yeah that'd be awesome exciting just another piece to add uh, to this movement mm. and to this flow like it is an awa metaphorically as well it's literally as well that's pulling us all together how exciting. <laughs> and another stop on that hour coming up very soon that you'll be planning for a little while that I want to really want to talk about, really excited about, is that Awa will be shooting their first commercial real mm, soon. Yes. Yeah, so we should shoot our very first TV commercial at the end of May, at the end of this month. Yeah, so super excited about that. I know it's a great responsibility that I have. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's really important to me that this commercial reflects our desires and our values because I know how much advertising can affect, affect us. Yeah, I was just about to ask, like, why? You know, you're doing well already and you haven't had a commercial. Mm. Why do you want to get into this part of the game? Yeah, well, I think that as a marketer, I am so aware of how advertising can reflect society's behaviors, but it can also have the effect of normalizing values and behaviors. So the last 100 years of advertising of periods has had such a dire impact on society and behaviors and values that we have. You can just listen to the story of my first period and the story of your first period. Um, that's, uh, you know, to a large extent, the result of advertising. You know, there has been a lot of developments within advertising, but I still believe there's so far to go. So I really want this commercial to um, be a way for uh, people with periods to feel more connected and to learn ways of, of connection. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. There's been a lot of planning, a lot of research gone into, you know, <laughs> what's been wrong with period advertising and the effect mm. that that has had on all of us and how to pave the the way forward yeah mm. yeah oh i love that and it just makes me think of 
when I was young and I got my first period and then almost every subsequent one since then <laughs> up until recently, I don't consciously feel like I was ever discouraged from talking about it. But I remember seeing ads on TV or different things popping up and it was about how almost secret mm-hmm. of a, an experience it was or that's what it was marketed to be like oh yeah the advertising messaging is so subliminal but it's almost scary to look back over a hundred years and look at the advertising and then look at how women thought about themselves at the time they are like directly related to each other and again for us and our our experience you know of wanting it to be secret and not wanting to talk about it in the 90s that was what was happening in advertising so advertising in the 90s was of you know teenage girls whispering in secret so that's what we were doing because we saw that in advertising Mm. there's recently been some research done by uh, Dr Jane Connery in Australia she during COVID analyzed uh, the last 100 years in advertising and it's been so interesting to see the progression of of periods Um, and advertising and actually how directly related to behaviors in society at that time. So a hundred years ago, for example, period products were only available to those that could afford them. They were also labeled or advertised as medical products for illness. Um, So, so yeah, period products were administered by nurses. So it really was thought of as a medical problem or illness. And that's how women thought that they were. So then we get into the 1950s. And although periods were not advertised as illnesses anymore, the use of the colors blue and white were really used a lot and perpetuated the idea that period blood was taboo or shameful. You know, you couldn't see it. Yeah. You didn't dirty. You couldn't see red blood. Um, everything was, you know, like the holy color of blue or, um, or white. So women were always should or should have always been pure or clean. And the word sanitary products was termed as well. And this really goes with the notion of being, unclean and that you're dirty when you have your period and it's funny that was the 50s because I remember so my my mother grew up in the 50s and I know that one thing she did say to me time and time again is that I was unclean and that when I have my period I should be showering two to three times a day so that was I know now a result of the advertising that she saw it was quite a racial you know thing as well because it was the whole notion that anything white was you know its purest form so there was absolutely no depiction of people of color and then you get into the 80s and 90s periods were like really weirdly sexualized if you remember back to dolly and girlfriend magazines but also this whole idea that women can and must do everything on their period so highlighting the idea that people should not know you're on your period so that's when we saw the advertising of a woman waking up feeding her children you know being in a um, going to the gym in the morning, running a boardroom meeting during the day, and then going to play a game of squash with her girlfriends, and then jumping into a cocktail dress and having a hot date with her husband, like literally doing everything. And this kind of, again, goes with the whole Western feminist um, ideas Mm. as well, that we can do everything a man can do. And that's really true to that time of society as well, where, you know, more and more women were pushing themselves. And there were definitely a lot of uh, benefits to that yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that but the the one bad thing uh, the one negative to that is that we now 
feel ashamed of um, cancelling an event or not going into mahi when we are on our heaviest day of our period and might actually be in chronic pain. Um, we haven't normalized that um, because we need to pretend, you know, it's it's not an excuse to call up and say you, you have your period because we grew up with advertising thinking that we can do everything when we're on our period. Um, and I think that's just so wrong. Yeah, and I think I grew up on the back of that and it's like having your period, like, so what? Mm. Still go out and do what you're going to do. Doesn't matter how you feel. You just keep going. Mm. And part of me, it's like, oh, yeah, was empowering. But mm. then on the other side as well, which has grown, is actually this is teaching me to not listen to my body mm-hmm. and to disregard what it's trying to tell me. And over the last few years, that's gone louder and louder. And I'm more attuned to that now. Mm-hmm. But I remember uh, as a young girl and then getting into adolescence as well, that was the belief. Mm. So, no, you just keep going. Oh, yeah. We've, we've been molded into uh, living a life that I guess men want us to live, which is to not stop and do, do everything, you know, and not, not be connected with ourselves and, and take time out. So then we get into the 2000s and although it was still kind of the same thing, but period products were being shown for the first, actually for the first time in advertising, but weirdly not being used for periods. So you remember um, period products being used as kind of like toys for kittens or um, do you remember that ad where um, the boyfriend has got pads stuck all over his body and he's pretending to be a superhero mm. and then his parents walk in and he's embarrassed, like, you know, mm. they're embarrassed for him. Like what kind of messages, you know, what yeah. kind of effect do you think that would have had on girls and people with periods watching that? Like, you know, again, secrecy, you know, this is a product, but you can't use it for your period. Like, mm. you know, we can't talk about it being for your period because that's yeah. something that's shameful. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of activism in, in advertising as well. So with that, our commercial that we're shooting at the end of May, I want that to portray a new movement for people with periods. I want people to uh, prioritize taking time out, taking their power back and taking autonomy of their, over their own bodies and um, reconnecting with their environment, reconnecting with themselves and their bodies and um, seeing the positive effect that that has. So I'm really excited for this commercial. What do those things mean to you to reconnect, to reclaim autonomy? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so when I'm on my period, like when my period first arrives, I, um, because I have been pretty consistent, but recently it's kind of been a bit out of kilter, so I'm not quite sure when it's going to come. But when it does come, I do change the way my week looks. Um, I've recently started doing F45. (laughs) (laughs) I knew I was going to accidentally slip that But when I have my period, I don't go to that. Instead, I I might stay home and do some stretching or do some yoga. But I don't tend to work as hard. And I'd usually book in a massage and take a day where I'm spending a lot of time meditating or journaling, you know, little reminders um, of how I can take care of myself. I read a lot as well. Like generally, I don't take, I don't have a lot of time to read. It's one of my big hobbies. But when it's my period, that's my time where I'm going to prioritize myself, doing all my favorite things that fill my soul. I'm just going to challenge something you said 
and hopefully we get consensus at the end of it or we're still friends. <laughs> there we go. Um, but like the way we speak to ourselves or the language we use and we've seen with advertising how powerful that is um, and especially with the marmataka, the lunar cycles and with high and low energy days and you just talking about how you've reclaimed autonomy for yourself because you work hard when it's time to work like you pump it out and you get it done but when you rest you rest well I do yeah yeah and so in terms of you don't work as hard when it's during fetal like no you do different kinds of work yeah that you need I do spiritual work and yeah yeah when it's fetal um I really that's the time where it's it's darker at night so the stars are shining bright like brighter and it just for myself that's the time when I feel like I can connect and have conversations with my ancestors and conversations with the Atua Wahine and you know inviting them into my life and and trying to grow spiritually as well yeah yeah because it's so important so hopefully it was all good to do that but the narrative we tell ourselves or have told ourselves for so long about menstruating and about our periods has been really detrimental to how we connected to ourselves and how we uh, just claimed our power and asserted ourselves. And so something that I've really learned over the last couple of years is high energy doesn't mean being extroverted, like all these high out there types of activities and how resting or doing that spiritual internal that deep work still has a negative connotation to it or you know it can be perceived as lazy or that you're just choosing not to do things or not to go out but really is the most important work and it's only during rest that all your training takes effect Mm -hmm. so if you never rested like everything you're working towards whether it's for physical training at your work with your family if you don't rest you don't see the results and so having that time during fetal or during the new moon or whatever that might be for you is so important to mm. just take a breath and switch up how you do that work. It might not be so external, but you can focus some of that back to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Rest. <laughs> Rest is revelation. Oh! <laughs> Did you come up with it? <laughs> I just did now. <laughs> and you're listening to On the Flow, by Mich- hosted by Michelle. <laughs> it rest, it is okay. rest is revelation. Yeah, you as busy mummers or just busy anybody, you know, we can just be tied into this kind of cycle of work, sport, you know, play, everything, hard, hard, hard. But it has been game-changing for me to take time to rest and you know when I rest I rest like but it's yeah it is revelation for me because you know some of my greatest ideas comes from that and yeah it's beautiful what would your advice be to anyone because I know myself you like everyone's got their things going on everyone's busy everyone's um got their stuff that they're dealing with and some might not be able to afford Mm. to rest Mm -hmm. yeah I call bull on that you don't need to take a whole day to rest but it's so easy to prioritize you know things that actually are not that important because you think they are important but if you want to 
put your phone down for half an hour when you get home from work and and lie in the bed and and put a guided meditation on um you know instead of watching tv at nighttime you know and this just has to be your period you know it doesn't have to be every single night like if you prioritize half an hour a day for the week that you have your period to meditate and to reflect then um it's going to be game changing, you know, and you'll find that you'll want to do it for longer and longer because it's beautiful what unfolds when you when you take that time. And the other advice is definitely to try to track your period with what's happening with the moon. Um, I'm not saying that everybody is going to, you know, be as affected as me, but I think that everyone will notice cycles and patterns. And when you see patterns, you can plan. <laughs> Nice, I was going to claim it. Um, yeah, and just to add to that, because I don't think I'm as affected or maybe, you know, I'm still learning about myself in different ways and maybe they're a bit more subtle to mm. what I've tried to look for in the past. And they are subtle. They are really subtle. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and so don't be discouraged if you don't feel this huge swing during this during your cycle. Um, but it's more about just getting to know yourself and how you engage with the environment. And that's such an indigenous worldview that because we descend from it, of course, there's going to be some effect. But it's just about learning well, what's your specific connection or relationship to the moon and to the other elements mm. in the environment. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I think we could just go on for the rest of the night <laughs> talking about everything to do with periods and including what we've already touched on today. But this is only the first of many episodes for On The Flow and we'll be talking with more manuhuri, more guests from here in Aotearoa but also all around the world and we'll be touching on all these different perspectives to help us really embrace our menstrual cycles, ceremonies, and all the knowledge and good stuff that comes with it. Yeah. Thank you, Hannah. Um, you're going to be a beautiful host, and I feel so humbled and honest, honored that you are going to host On The Flow, powered by Awa. <laughs> and yeah, I'm just really excited for all the corridor that we're going to be having with cultures and people all over the world, helping to reconnect everybody to their cycles and to themselves. I guess you could say it's my passion. So, yeah, I'm feeling happy today. <laughs> and thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for tuning in. I hope you found something that you can take away and start to incorporate into your own life. Or if you feel like uh, there's more you wanted us to really dive into or other topics, other people you'd like to hear from on the show, on the flow, please let us know. Send it through and we'll catch you on the next one. Kakite, hey kuna. Cool